Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Morbid early and ad-free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or even something new to discover. They offer an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, thrillers, which I'm super into lately, motivation, wellness, business, and even more. Audible's the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations to habituate every type of thriller listener. Keep your heart rate up month after month with this pulse-pounding collection that you can't hear anywhere else. I actually just finished listening to, it's one of my favorite stories, but listening to it was even cooler. It was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. It's narrated by Bernadette Dunn, and I think they just have one of the best voices for an audiobook. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500. That's audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash morbid. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey weirdos, I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. And this is Morbid. The mini-sode. Mini, 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 mini Morbid. Mini Morbid, mini Morbid, mini Morbid. <laughs> it's a mini-episode and it's Ash-centric. Woo! Welcome to another mini-sode, guys. I know, we've done like a lot of mini-sodes now. This I know, is, like, it's our fun. Jam. Yeah. It is fun. This has been fun. I'm glad we added these onto our repertoire. Uh, repertoire exactly so mine well i think it's gonna be long but i talk fast so who really knows i was thinking Uh, that when you said it's gonna be long i was like i bet it's gonna be like half what she thinks it's gonna be because she talks so fast that's always what happens i just like i talk so quickly that's good i just i can't help it yeah you get it out yeah you know just like get into it so do you want to just like go right into it yeah this is a mini-sode we don't have any shit to talk about in this we just go right into it we got no business we're gonna thank our patreons next week exactly so let's just fucking do this let's do this all right so my mini so this week i'm gonna see if you can guess it before i say anything i know because i'm excited this is so fun every week (laughs) it's so fun so do you know what my favorite lifetime movie is like like lifetime movie based on a real crime case Ooh, that's a tough one what just take like a guess is it one about like a cheerleader being murdered shut up no <laughs> i was being serious wasn't <laughs> she wasn't murdered joke. she robbed the bank sorry um you can have one more guess okay one more guess i'm i'm having trouble because i'm thinking of like the ones that i've seen is it one about like a call girl no okay no? okay cool so betty broderick oh was born elizabeth ann Basiglia, I think. I don't really know how you say her like original it. last name, but it's not Sounds important. Sounds good. <laughs> it's she was not born. <laughs> it's not important. It's fine. 
She was born on November 7th, 1947. She grew up in East Chester, which is a suburb of New York City, and she was the third of six children. It's a lot of children. Yeah, so you, but it was like pretty regular, like blah, blah, yeah. blah, boring, boring, boring. So she says that she was, quote, raised to be a housewife from the day she was born. Oh, that's no good. Which like, no thanks. I mean, if you if you decide to be a housewife, that's great. Oh, do but you if you're think? raised to be one, I feel like that's not that's no good. Never good. She also put it she also put it that she was raised to go to Catholic school, be careful dating until you find a Catholic man, support him while he works, and be blessed for in your later years with beautiful grandchildren. Woof. Or as I like to say, fuck that. <laughs> Yikes. I was not raised that way. Nope, definitely not. So hashtag <laughs> no thank you. Nope. So Betty was just living her life, doing the damn thing. She went to college. And she met Daniel Broderick III in 1965 when she was at a party at Notre Dame. She didn't go to Notre Dame, but her and her friend, like, took a road trip and went to Notre Dame. Good for her. And went to a party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, live, live in the college life, go into college football games, and then parties following them. Yeah. Living that so, Catholic life. Hell yeah. Go Jesus. <laughs> go she Jesus. She was a freshman, and he was a senior. And he introduced himself to her by writing his name on a napkin. So on the napkin, he wrote, Daniel T. Broderick, MDA. And he told her that MDA stood for medical doctor almost. Wow. Which is like, really? Um, like, if, if somebody did that, I would be like, I have to go real quick. See yeah. you later. <laughs> My Uber's actually be been it. waiting, and I really can't afford a one-star review, so I'm going to yeah. go now. <laughs> so we have to go. I know that it's uh, 1965, and you don't know what Uber is, but I'm from the future. <laughs> and then you zap their mind clear of the I, experience. I created Uber for this <laughs> this very moment right here. Yeah. Because Sorry, you know Dan, what? Bye. Super cool that you're going to be a medical doctor and, like, totally brag about it in different ways, but, like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, do it in different ways, but not this one. And also, it's, like, you're pre-med. Like, yeah, let's exactly. settle down. You have about right. 400 more years left before you're an MD. But he was on the right path. He had he just was. been accepted to Cornell Medical School in New oh, York. Oh, so he's, so. so he's doing the damn thing. Let's do it. He was doing the damn thing. Yeah. So the story goes that the two met and Dan, after they met, was already telling people that he was going to marry Betty someday. That's sweet. Like, she was it. He thought she was so beautiful, so pretty, and that they'd make a successful power couple. I mean, that's and, what you look for. I mean, hell yeah. Four <laughs> years later, they got married in April of 1969. Nice. Probably right so, when he was graduating medical school. Exactly. So Betty became pregnant during or shortly after their honeymoon, and she gave birth to their oldest child, Kim, nine months after they got married. Damn. Or nine months after their honeymoon. I'm just moving right um, along. Yeah. The couple had five children together, two daughters, Kim and Lee, two sons, Daniel and Rhett, I think is how you say it. It's R-H-E-T-T. -T. Yeah, that's Rhett. Sounds like a rich name. Yeah. And they also had another child that was a boy, but unfortunately, he passed away like two days after he was born. Oh, that's terrible. Which is really sad. Yeah. But Dan finished medical school, and then he actually attended Harvard Law what and became a lawyer. Jesus. Yeah. And he was doing all like, this, like going much. to medical school. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot, Dan. That's a lot, Dan. So he was, <laughs> Take it down he was going to medical school and 
then he attended Harvard and Betty was like taking care of all the kids in the house, supporting the family, like working Love. multiple jobs. She was like, she was doing a lot. She's a little, a little tired. A little tired. Yeah. So in 1973, Dan accepted a job at a really prestigious law firm in San Diego, but he made a shit ton of mer- money working on medical malpractice suits. Ooh, that's and- where the money is. Mm-hmm. Well, and he knew, too, because, like, he had yeah. medical background and law background. Oh, yeah. So he made so much money that he started calling himself Count Da Money. I mean, I'm I'm going to need that to be erased from history because... <laughs> he Dan was really smooth. Dan, Dan just needs... He needs some time. He needs some yeah. time. He needs some space. He needs some more nutrients. I don't know. Like, something's he going on something. with Dan. That's no good. Um, well, Count maybe he needed a money. nose job, which he bought himself with all the money that he was making. Hey, I mean, I have a deviated septum. I would love, <laughs> I'd love to get that fixed. I get that. So he started making all this money, started calling himself Count to Money, Count to got money. a nose job, bought like hand tailored suits, and they were just like living their best fucking life. I wonder so, if he just like stood there with his money sometimes and was like, one hundred dollars. Ah ah ah. Because he was count the money. <laughs> I'm screaming. But now he was making enough to support them all, so Betty was able to quit her job slash jobs. Good. And she was basically like a stay at home mom. She was just uh, supposed to take care of the kids and like focus on that and being a wife. And just get that money. Yeah. So her husband can count the money. So they became like very well known socialites in San Diego. Betty was known in the community as a super mom. Parents loved her. The neighborhood kids loved her. They People thought her and Dan were so fabulous and, like, they had it all. It's never and good when that happens. I feel never like. Never good. It never leads anywhere good. Nope. But they bought a home in, I think you say La Jolla, California? I think so. Sounds okay. good. It looks like La Jolla, but I bet it's not La Jolla. Yeah, I think you're right. It's La Jolla, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they bought a home there. They had a membership at an elite country club and more money than they even knew what to do with. People said that he would go on shopping sprees and there was, like, no budget whatsoever. She could just spend however much money she wanted. I can't – my brain won't even compute that. (laughs) I don't even know what I would do with all that. Like, I would be so well-dressed – it would just be great. I feel like people like that aren't well-dressed because they have too much money, so they just, like – it just, it swings the pendulum to the other side. Yeah. And when you have that much money, you start dressing like a trash bag because it's just like, you it's need to, have, yeah, it just becomes too much. It looks like they had everything, but they really didn't. And beneath it all, the couple started to have a lot of issues. I'm shocked. And they had issues pretty much from the start. There isn't a lot known about the child that Betty lost after childbirth, but she also suffered from two miscarriages after that. Oh, God. And not to mention, like, the whole time that Dan was in school, she was supporting their entire family. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a lot. Um, well, yeah, that's the thing. She said that he spent hours out, like, after work drinking with his coworkers, and he would say that it was networking and that he was climbing, like, a legal ladder, and this is no. just what he had to do. No and way, it's like, man. no, you're out with your friends, and I'm home with your kids. And it's like, she's been home all day with, like, five kids, or four kids, however many it is. She's working, yeah. like, how many jobs, and you can't even come home and, like, relieve her? Like, because let her quote-unquote, like, climb yeah. the legal ladder. Yeah, that that, that's ridiculous. So they fought constantly, and sometimes it actually got violent. On one occasion, she threw a ketchup bottle at him. 
And then on another occasion, he got so pissed that he threw an empty aquarium over the second floor balcony of their home. Holy shit. Which, like, also, who just has, like, an empty aquarium? I was just going to say, did he just, like, find one? Or did he, like, conjure one? What happened? Maybe they got a new aquarium and the old one was just, like, the perfect thing to throw across the fucking yard. Yeah. (laughs) He is Count of Money. Who knows what special powers he has? Count of Money, Count of Aquariums, Count it all. (laughs) But their oldest daughter, Kim, said that. Quote, mom was always kind of weird. Mom would always get mad at dad all the time. Once mom picked up the stereo and literally threw it at him. Whoa. And she locked him out constantly. Jesus. So they were like volatile. Uh, I'd say so. Yeah. Betty uh, threw threats of divorce at Dan like all the time, but she didn't actually want a divorce. She just used it as an empty threat because like without him, she wouldn't have this picture perfect life of like the stay at home housewife. And, like, that was her identity. Yeah, and that was what she was raised to be. Yeah, that's what she was raised to be. That's all she knew. And also, they were both Catholics, and they took their vows, like, really seriously. Yeah, that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. And they were both, like, raised Catholic, so. Oh, woof. Big deal. Because that brings, like, guilt into it. That's not just, like we love each other and we want to stay together it's like oh no god will smite us if we don't literally like, that's like real serious because mm-hmm. like i take my vows real seriously but i don't bring smiting into it or anything yeah i'm all set with that yeah. shit so things were about to get worse oh on november 22nd 1983 betty went to dan's office with a bottle of champagne and a dozen roses and i know that sounds really great it does it's going to be awesome. It, I, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be fucking awesome. I can't yeah. wait for you to hear what happens. <laughs> so it was Dan's 39th birthday and she planned on surprising him, hoping that it would kind of salvage their marriage. She was like doing a nice gesture. Um, but when she got to the office, she didn't find Dan there. Uh-oh. Instead, she found an empty office with remnants of a chocolate cake, an empty bottle of wine, two glasses... And birthday decorations everywhere. Ooh, child. So she asked one of the office secretaries, like, where the fuck is my husband? And who drank this bottle of wine with him? And the office assistant told Betty that Dan had left around lunchtime with his assistant, Linda. Oh, Linda. Linda, Linda, Linda. Linda, Linda. Linda. Oh, man. So I feel Betty's rage right now. I feel it. Oh, yeah. Wait until you hear what she does. The assistant that Betty had speculated Dan was having an affair with for the past few months was Linda. So God damn Linda. Yikes. Yeah, no bueno. No. So Betty waited in the office like all night for Dan to come back and he never did. So That's she so drove sad. home. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I'm just don't worry. I'm just thinking of that though, like sitting there with champagne and like and roses. And roses just waiting for him to come back and he's not coming back because he's with Linda. She wasn't about to get sad, though. She was about to get even. So she drove home and she went inside and she gathered all his pants and all his suits and all his nice clothes and she put them in the front lawn and she set them all on fire. Hey, that's what you do. (laughs) I see nothing wrong with this so far. Um, in the Lifetime movie, I made, I literally made Annie watch it with me the other night, and she was like, this is incredible. Um, <laughs> this is incredible. She, as she strikes the match, she goes, liar, liar, pants on fire, oh. and just tosses the match onto the clothing. That, I, even if that didn't happen, it, it happened. 
like that literally. happened because that is phenomenal. I literally wrote in my notes I really hope this actually happened <laughs> because you because you know if she didn't really say that as she threw that match she's like shit missed opportunity I said that <laughs> literally that was great <laughs> the lifetime movie is incredible I gotta see this now but anyway Dan denied and denied and denied that he was having an affair with Linda mm-hmm. and he told Betty that she was crazy and that of, she was imagining things. Of course. Whenever a dude says you're crazy and imagining things, you have it. You're not you crazy. Have, you have every you're not bit of fact. Anything. Every, everything you think you think is thought and right. Yeah, exactly. So according to Betty, he was growing bored of her and often called her old, fat, boring, ugly, and stupid. Oh, my God. Which is really sad. Um, she says Light that it Dan was all... On fire. <laughs> literally it's time well be careful what you want (laughs) she says it was all part of a methodical campaign to drive her insane so eventually the marriage became unsalvageable to dan and he moved out of the house in february of 1985 he left betty with the kids oh so she was like cool fuck you buddy and she dropped the kids off at his house thinking that he would finally see how much work went into raising them and that he'd have like a newfound respect for her oh betty but it's it not didn't how that really works. work out like that. Yeah. Dan realized that this was an advantage for him because now he had the kids, which she voluntarily turned over, uh, and he could use that against her. Yep. That was a um, dumb also, move, Betty. Apparently, she. Dan is like. He sounds like a dick in the beginning of this, but Betty is like batshit fucking crazy. Well, yeah, and it's, if you're just gonna like leave your kids with this dude, like you're using your kids as leverage and pawns, as pawns. and stuff, like that's that's messed up. Well, listen to how she dropped them off. She dropped off the oldest one, Kim, on Easter after Kim had asked her to drive, like, her friend home. Like, her friend must have been over. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hey, can you drive my friend home? And Betty literally, like, just lost her shit and was like, no, like, blah, 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 like, freaking out. And literally went, pack your bags. So Kim packed her bags and Betty drove her to her dad's house. And he wasn't there. And she just left her on the doorstep, and she literally had to wait like hours. And that hours is for her the dad worst thing I've ever heard. I hate Betty yeah. now. This is just such wait. a roller coaster. <laughs> so that happened on Easter. Then a few days how later, how old was Kim? Do you know? Um, like how old the kids are? She was like around like sixteen, I would say. Oh she was God. the oldest, sixteen or seventeen. Danny arrived the same way a few days later, and he was young. He was probably like maybe like ten when this happened. Oh my God. Um, and then Rhett and Lee came a few months later. Kim says they were hysterical, holding on to her, crying and screaming. That's literally the worst thing I've ever heard. It's really awful. This kind of stuff makes me so mad. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, because, like, don't use your kids as a pawn. When people, like, ruining their children's psyches for just right. selfish re- It's like, I can't understand you. It's messed up. Ugh. So, like I said, Betty thought that if she stopped being, like, the, quote, perfect housewife, that Dan would see that she meant business and, like, somehow gain more respect for her. So delusional. (laughs) Yeah, she was very delusional. Yeah. And obviously that didn't go to plan. And she kind of just went on a downward spiral very, very quickly. You don't say. In June, she went to the family home and trashed Dan's bedroom. She shattered mirrors and spray-painted black paint everywhere. Wow. So then on September 23rd, Dan filed for divorce. (laughs) It's about time. Um, After that, he said Betty returned to the home two more times. One time she took a Boston cream pie, which I don't know if this is true or not. This part that I'm about to say in the movie, Linda baked the pie. 
Uh, well, I don't know if she actually did or not, but this part is true, that she went and took the pie into the master bedroom, like Dan's room, and smeared it all over his clothes and all over his, like, furniture, like, just, like, smeared the pie everywhere. Well, that's just, that makes me mad because Boston cream pie is great. And, like, that's just psychotic. How dare you waste one? So she just, like, ruined all his shit. What? It's like, dude, you lit his clothes on fire. Move on. Like, you did right. what you had to do. You got it out. <laughs> well, you're on. just... This is like giving him ammo. Like, Of course. You're never just, getting your kids back again. Just chill. Psycho. So that happened. And then the second time that she broke in, she threw bottles of wine through two windows and smashed a sliding glass door. Oh, my God. So at How this did point, I suddenly get to be on Dan's side in this? I'm very, I'm all confused. It's very wishy-washy. Yeah, my emotions are just everywhere. They will. So at this point, Dan gets a temporary restraining order, which orders Betty to stay 100 yards from the house, his car, and his office. But that didn't mean shit to Betty. And she violated (laughs) the order by swinging an umbrella through a large picture window and broke into their house and smashed their brand new toaster. Why? (laughs) Because she was mad. Like, was she like, now you get no toast? (laughs) She, I think it was more like, your toast, buddy. You don't need a toaster. (laughs) Your toast. I like it. And you have, like, the the whole thing is that she thought that he was having an affair with Linda for all this time. And that, like, he was trading her in for, like, a younger model. Because if you look at pictures, actually, Linda does kind of resemble Betty when she was younger. Ooh. Which is like no bueno. And no, he was 40 all. and he had just bought like a red Corvette. And she was like, yeah, so you're having like yeah. a midlife crisis. Like, so she's like your midlife crisis wife. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, you're having like a midlife episode. And I think you need to be committed. <laughs> yeah. Like you literally need to be somewhere. Yeah. So but after she's doing all, that, all this stuff with her kids around. It's like you're really messing your kids up for life here. Oh, yeah. Her kids. Actually, I, I didn't get a chance to watch this yet, but they um, are on Oprah. There's like an interview with them and Oprah and I'm going to oh, really? watch it directly after this. Oh, damn. And I suggest you all do the same <laughs> after you watch the Lifetime movie. Of course. So in February 1986, Dan sold the family home against Betty's wishes. He did this by using like some law procedure, which obviously like he knew about, but it was like a very like not well-known procedure. Um, that permitted a judge to sign over Betty's half. Wow. So Dan claimed that he did this after Betty refused to sign papers two times, even after he followed her advice in choosing the real estate agent, and after he literally bought her a home in, what did I say it's called? La Jolla? Oh, yeah. La Jolla for $650,000. Whoa. He bought her a $650,000 home. It's like, okay, Betty, time to move on. <laughs> So take that house and just move on. Yeah. But she was pissed when she found out that Dan had sold the home without her consent. Uh, I mean, which like I'd be mad. Too, I get that. But then I would just but, drive like, you're to not... my $650,000 home and get over it. And it's like you're not really displaying behavior <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. you know, makes it easy for us to work with you here. Right. Well, just wait, because she drives to the home to confront Dan and Dan's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. Please get off my property. So she does what any rational girl would do. She drives her Chevy through the front door of his mansion. Yeah, I mean, what other option was there? <laughs> Literally no other options. What other option it's, did she have? Yeah, I, there's nowhere else to go. You she just go straight. She drove her fucking car <laughs> through his house. What? And I'm pretty sure her kids were home. Well, they I was were just going to say. They were in the Lifetime movie. And how did she know that the kids weren't in front of the door? 
I mean, she could have literally just killed all her kids at once. When I was watching the movie, all the kids are home and Dan is, like, yelling at them. (laughs) Also, Dan is played by the father of Seventh Heaven, which is, like, no bueno because he's a child. Yeah, I was just going to say that's really no bueno. He's, like, yelling at all of them to go upstairs. But that's what I thought. I was like, how did you not know, like, if your kids were there? Yeah, you don't know if your kid was just walking out the front door or was close to it. But she was just, like, past the point of rationality. She's just just blind insanity. So after she drove her car through his front door, he, like, flipped out and, like, went to pull her out of the car. And I don't know why, but he wanted to. And as he was doing this, she reached under the passenger seat and pulled out a large butcher's knife. Jesus. Somehow he restrained her. The police were called and she was apparently taken away in a straitjacket. So she was, like, so out of control that they had to restrain her with a straitjacket. That's a lot. And after that, she spent only three days in a San Diego County men- mental health hospital. That doesn't surprise me. Which just because like, because of how mental health is treated. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But like, you literally drove your fucking car through your children's home. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. So then, in July 1986, Dan and his attorney go to court to finalize the divorce. Um, Betty didn't have a lawyer because she claimed that no one in the area would represent Dan Broderick's ex-wife. But through the whole process of, like, their divorce and everything, she hired five lawyers and fired all five of them. There was probably very good reason for each one. Yeah. Very sane, very solid reasons. So the divorce got finalized and Dan got sole custody of the children and Betty received no formal visitation rights. Good. Yeah. So if she wasn't pissed before, she was super pissed now. Yeah. Uh, She called Dan's house repeatedly, leaving, like, really crude messages on his answering machine, um, using, like, really gross nicknames for Dan and his new girlfriend, who was Linda. She called her the C-word on, like, multiple occasions, called her, like, the office whore, like, really awful things. So Dan was paying, at this point, he was paying Betty $16,000 a month in alimony wow (laughs) yeah so he started to fine her for all the shitty things that she was doing he wrote her a letter and said that for every obscene word he was charging her a hundred dollars uh 250 for every time she stepped foot on his property 500 for every entry into his home and a thousand for every time she took one of his one of the kids without his permission oh my god i can't believe he even had to do that yeah so one month betty claimed that dan fined her so many times that her total like alimony was negative thirteen hundred dollars <laughs> like she fucked up that i many believe times. it i believe it but betty says that dan and linda were equally as awful um she said she once received a photo of dan and linda with the caption eat your heart out bitch <laughs> so like she thought that like linda sent that and she also said that she was like getting all these flyers for like skin serums and like weight loss medicines and she thought that, like, it was Linda's doing. Oh, my God. Like, Can she you was imagine? like, you're old and fat. Can you like, imagine? It really does sound like a fucking, like, Beverly Hills housewife competition. It does. Like, this is bonkers. Um, Linda's friends deny that Linda was, like, evil or mean in the ways that Betty was. But Kim, Betty's oldest daughter, the one from Easter, confirms that mm-hmm. Linda did refuse to return Betty's wedding china after Betty requested it. Ooh, and that's low. Yeah. So she definitely That's stooped low. to her level at some points. So Linda's a, a bit of a bitch or something. I guess. But yeah. her I mean, and Dan were cool. happy together. 
And friends say, friends of the couple say that Linda brought out a softer side of Dan. They got engaged in June of 1988. But at this point, Betty was still calling herself Mrs. Broderick and refused to give up her married name. Oh, damn. Um, And she was still leaving, like, really obscene messages on the answering machine. So this is a phone conversation that she had with her son, Danny, who was 11 years old at the time. So she was, like, in the middle of picking up. Uh, or she was in the middle of leaving a message on the phone and he picked up and said you guys are separated mom and he likes somebody else now he doesn't like you anymore and I mean if you got you gotta stop saying the bad words oh and then Betty says why doesn't he like me anymore to her oh 11 God, year old stop son. talking to your 11 year old <laughs> and this. Danny's like crying throughout this whole conversation oh my and God. he says because you've been he's sick of you because you guys get in all these fights and Betty goes, why do we get in all these fights? Oh, my God. he's liter- She's literally making this kid, Crazy. like, spit it out. And then Danny goes, I don't know. And Betty goes, because he was fucking his secretary. <gasps> like, this is recorded. Are like, you literally, you can me? hear the conversation between the two of them. And Danny goes, even before that, you got into fights, Mom. And then Betty goes, I don't think so, Danny. See, you didn't know he was fucking his secretary for the last years oh that we were God. married. And then Danny says... We want to live with you, but you're just making it harder for all of us that want to live over there. If you stop saying bad words, everyone will be happier. At least I know I will. Oh my god, that just hurt my Did soul that not in so many ruin ways. your life? That ruined it's my so life. It's so sad, but don't worry because I cannot imagine later on they to use it to prosecute her asset trial. Good. Because <laughs> I'm horrified right now. So after that, Betty claimed that Dan and Linda were ruining her children. Oh, yeah. It's them who are yeah, ruining like, your children, girl, for sure. You definitely have a hand in stirring the pot, too. Yeah. Um, their younger daughter, Lee, dropped out of high school. And Dan disowned her and formally wrote her out of his will. So Whoa. that's all that's known about He means about business. That. He also asked Kim to move out when she turned 18. But later he, like, chilled out and paid her college tuition. Um, <laughs> that's that's pretty chill. Yeah, it, it seemed like they had like a like all the kids had a rocky relationship with both parents. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. They grew up with like all this crazy violence in their house. Exactly. That's why I'm so interested to watch them sit down with Oprah. Yeah. Um. But Betty was mostly focused at this point on getting custody of Rhett and Danny because they were 11 and 14 respectively. Like at this point. Okay. Um, and they seem to gravitate toward their mom. A friend of the family says that in between visits with their mom, they always stayed in contact through the phone. So after Linda and Dan got engaged in April, they got married in April of 1989 in the front yard of Dan's mansion. He hired private undercover security guards, but he re- <laughs> he refused to wear a bulletproof vest like Linda had request. Like she literally was worried that he was going to get shot on their wedding day. I would be, too. Well, and news had spread that um, Betty had bought a revolver. Oh, yeah. Then I'd be like, you're wearing and one. And <laughs> she'd been threatening, like, time and time again to kill them, like, all the time. Oh, yeah. But um, Dan told his friends that he doubted Betty would kill her, quote-unquote, golden goose, which I guess means, like, the dude that, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. pays all her shit. Yeah. So, but Linda wasn't quite sure. She had asked a lawyer on numerous occasions to prepare papers to get a restraining order against Betty, but Dan wouldn't let her file them. So his friend Ned Huntington said she was the mother of his children and he really didn't take the strong measures he could have taken. He didn't want to, he didn't want the guilt of being punitive toward her. So he let her get away with a lot of atrocious acts. He just wouldn't punish her. 
Oh, see, that's your mistake, man. Yep. So, seven months after the wedding, for some reason, Betty finally hit her last breaking point. She drove to Dan's house at 1041 Cypress Ave and entered the home using a key that she'd stolen from her daughter, Lee. She quietly snuck upstairs to the couple's bedroom and shot Linda first in the head and then the chest and then shot Dan, (sighs) who was hit in the chest as he was searching or as he was reaching for the phone. Dan was 44 and he was only 17 days shy of his 45th birthday. And Linda was 28. What? Yep. And also, um, it was two days before Betty's birthday. Oh, my God. So, she un- before she left, she unplugged the phone from the wall and fled the house. But later that day, she wow. turned herself into police. And she never denied that she pulled the trigger, but she denied that she planned on killing them. She said that she went there <sighs> because she wanted to talk to them and wa- she wanted to kill herself in front of them. But that Linda had, like, rolled over. But then she was, like... And she got startled. (laughs) Which it's, like... Yeah, I definitely buy that. Nope, not true. Nope, you definitely went there to murder them. Yeah. So, during the first trial, Betty's lawyer, Jack Early, represented her as a battered woman who'd been pushed to the brink after years of verbal and emotional abuse. The prosecutor, Carrie Wells, portrayed Betty as a murderer who planned to kill her husband and was the very opposite of a battered woman. She'd been getting $16,000 a month in al- alimony and was living in a $650,000 home that the victim had bought <laughs> Seriously. Her. Like, you're not a battered woman. Like, you're doing okay, Betty. And Betty's whole thing was that, like, she was so battered and he just wanted to ruin her life and, like, her life was nothing. But she had a boyfriend and they were doing, like, this trial thing where Rhett and Danny were, like, living with her, like like as a trial like he yeah he was gonna give her custody of them so the two sons were at her house at the time that she killed um their dad and linda oh my god so the first trial ended with a hung jury because two jurors held out for a conviction of manslaughter as opposed to second degree murder because um they didn't think that she planned the murder they thought that because Um, it's like but to me it's like just the fact that she stole the key from her daughter in order to get in the house yeah. gives me all I need to know. Because she wasn't willing to set up a meeting with them. She was going in the dead of night right. when they didn't know. It was when they were at their most the vulnerable. Yeah, when you're at your most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then she also unplugged the phones when she left. Exactly. So they couldn't even call for help. And that's, So she was looking to kill them. And that's what they used, too, is like her unplugging the phone. Yeah. Because the whole thing was that these two jurors wanted to convict her of manslaughter since they didn't think that she planned the murder. Because I guess second degree murder has to come with premeditation. Second degree murder, you don't need premeditation. You need malice of forethought. Oh, so what does that mean? So premeditation is for first degree murder. But malice of forethought is when you have intent. So for second degree murder, you would need intent there. But you don't necessarily need preparation. Okay. A mistrial was declared and Betty was retried a year later with the same prosecutor and the same defense lawyer. This time she was convicted on two counts of second-degree murder and she was sentenced to two consecutive years of 15 years to life plus two years for the illegal use of a firearm. So she's in prison for 32 years to life. Good. She's been incarcerated since the day that she committed the murders. The the murders. And her first request for parole was in January of 2010, and it was denied because she, quote, did not show remorse and did not acknowledge any wrongdoing. 
So that bitch is still hanging on to like, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a, literally you can watch got, like got. tons and tons of interviews with her, and she is not sorry at all. Like she does not give a fuck. That's so fucked. Because her whole thing is that she's like a battered woman, but there's just like so much evidence that like she was also like fucking bananas. Like the fact that she like drove all her kids to his house and left them there. And then I also yeah, read insane on one occasion that she. Her older daughter, excuse me, her younger daughter, Lee, was, was, like, kind of, like, a brat growing up, apparently, according to the older daughter, Kim. And she one time mm. was like, oh, like, your spankings don't hurt, like, when I get in trouble. So she was like, oh, like. <laughs> Never say that. <laughs> yeah, literally. Also, like, maybe don't spank your kids. But. Yeah. Personal I don't agree I guess. with that at all. With spanking kids, but. I don't either. You know. But. It's just me. Apparently she was like, okay, well, then next time you get in trouble, I'm going to hit you with a fly swatter. So she chased her around the backyard and the, like, the fly swatter, like, the screen of it fell off. So it was literally just the wire thing. And she was literally beating her with, like, the wire thing. Oh, my God. And she had, like, welts all over her. Oh, that's awful. So Betty was fucking crazy from the start. Seriously, she was the worst. And she, like, the kid said that she would pick fights with Dan all the time. Yeah, I'm totally on Dan's side now, which I did not think was going to happen in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, like, they literally said that she would, like, get all dressed up for them to go to, like, some socialite event, and then at the last second, she'd be like, I'm not going. Like, just make a fight happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, just to be a bitch. Oh, my God. So, I don't buy that she was, like, a battered woman at all. I also don't buy buy that Dan was, like, super great either. No, I don't think either one of them were, like shining their halos anytime soon but but he definitely did not deserve to get shot no and then especially even if he did have an affair it's like come on like people have affairs all the time it fucking sucks yeah it's awful but like move on man you can't move on and like be there for your kids that's what you need to do you can't fucking kill people just because you feel like it and i don't know if this is as much as we all want to you can't (laughs) i don't know if this is true i read it on wikipedia so like not positive because you can write like anything in there but apparently um as she was pulling the phone out of the wall he looked up at her and he was like like okay i'm dead like that's what you wanted that was his last oh my god i you know what it probably was yeah like that would make sense that'd be savage like you got what you wanted yeah also he probably knew all along that this was how it was gonna end I think he probably knew it, but he didn't want to believe it. Oh, yeah. You never want to. But I'm sure he was like, oh, she's definitely going to be the end of it. That is for sure. Also, more supporting evidence that she was a crazy bitch. In between, like, her, the mistrial and her regular trial, this videotape surfaced of her in prison. And I don't exactly, it's on American Justice, which is on Um, Mm A&E. You can find it on YouTube. But this video of her in prison surfaced, and it was like, I don't know if she got into a fight with somebody or what happened, but she was literally, like, going crazy. And she had to, like, they were dragging her away as she's, like, kicking and screaming. And then apparently she was, like, put in, like, solitude or whatever, whatever it's called. Solitary confinement. Yes, thank you. And um, (laughs) Solitude. She was put into solitude. And she (laughs) defecated and smeared her defecation all over the walls. Oh, so this bitch is like, she has bought the farm. Like, like she's she, a cuckoo nut lady. She is. Yeah, she's a cuckoo nut lady. Yeah. Like, if you're smearing your shit places, Holy, you've lost yeah. it. Yeah. You've crossed over. <laughs> like, sayonara, bitch. I think we have all the information we need just from that. Yeah. That's Betty Broderick. That, that is bananas. It's like my favorite, favorite Lifetime movie in the whole entire world. Please watch it and tell me what you think, everybody. 
That's that's crazy. Yeah. Betty is is something else. I wonder if everyone else went on the roller coaster of emotions that I did, being like, oh my god, Dan's the worst. Yeah, Betty, like, do the damn thing, light his shit on fire. And then being like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Betty's the worst. I like, went on that emotional on? roller coaster. Yeah. It really is that was the best when she lights his pants on fire. That's the only thing I stand by her in. That, I'd be like, okay. Like, I'm, I stand behind it. Light his pants on fire. It's a nice little, like, symbolism. I like it. Yeah. I like it all. Especially but then if that she said, is where it ends. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. If she said I that, mean, if she said that. Like, as she was putting the match on there. Yeah, if she just flicked the match onto the thing while she said that, I'd be like, Mwah. I wish Like, chef's kiss. Yeah. That would be wonderful. I wish there was a gif of her, um her doing it because she literally lights it and goes Mm. liar liar pants on fire flicks it onto the thing and like spins around and walks to the front door and he's just (laughs) standing there like the child molester from seventh heaven on the front lawn like (laughs) like just being like like, doesn't know what to do (laughs) well that was a good one thank you good job ash centric episode Uh, thank you and in the meantime (laughs) you can go follow us at instagram or on Instagram at <laughs> it's been a long day. Morbid podcast. You can send us a tweet. A morbid podcast. You can send us a mail on the Gmail <laughs> at morbidpodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook page. Morbid colon a true crime podcast and find our little group on there which i don't know how to find it but find it (laughs) and you can go check out our website that my lovely co-host so greatly designed at morbidpodcast.com i wish you could all see the weird like jig that she did to that (laughs) i did some shoulder shimmy in there and we hope you keep listening and And we we hope hope you keep it weird but not so weird that you let your husband's pants on fire and say liar liar pants on fire but then like drive your suv into his home and then like you like kill him and his new wife and then like it just gets really bad and then you fucking put your shit on the walls your literal (laughs) shit i was so hoping that that was how it was gonna end (laughs) i was like sending you vibes through the screen being like end it on that the shit Mention the shit. Go there. Mention the defecation. (laughs) Oh, yeah, bye. Bye now. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hey, weirdos. We have a ton of episodes that we think you will just love, but if you scroll down the feed just a bit, there's one we think you should definitely check out if you missed it. Episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, is one of our favorite episodes. And you might even get a little bit more out of it, especially in light of the viral TikTok series, Who the Fuck Did I Marry?, that is taking the internet by storm. Here's the deal, you guys. Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson, they wanted to spend their lives together. But there was a catch. They were already married. 
to other people. So they did as deviants do when they devised a mischievous and murderous plan to rid themselves of their respective spouses. But just how far were they willing to go with their lies? And would they get away with it? You can find this episode by following Morbid and scrolling back a little bit to episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, or by searching Morbid Bird Anderson wherever you listen to podcasts.